Okay. All right, I'm I'm ready for the point. I'm just very gently, just very gently, very gently lowering my drink down to the table. Whew. Welcome to episode 115 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we very carefully interrogate films previously described by other explosive personalities as masterpieces. I am Nick, the uh, young, unflappable, but um, uh, perhaps foolish, uh, uh, sexy young driver of the podcast, and I am joined as ever by Roger. I guess I'm the older and more cowardly driver of the podcast. <laughs> that's right, because we are discussing... Sorry, that's not that's not right. But we are discussing um, Henri Clouseau, Henri Georges Clouseau's... Uh, Henri 19- Georges Clouseau, please. Okay. <laughs> um, a, a rare uh, we, we foreign will, language film for us. We will, of course, be doing this us. entire episode in French. Uh, may we, may we? That'll do for me. Um, uh, the 1953... Thriller, uh, The Wages of Fear, um, La Salière de la Pure, uh, if you like. I, I can't bear to correct you. <laughs> la Salière de, Pure, de la Pure. Anyway. Um, anyway, anyway, The Wages of Fear. Um, yes, we have gone uh, back to black and white and we've gone to a foreign language film for a long Thriller, two and a half film, two and a half films. Felt like two and a half films. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's at least two films. We'll come back to that. It is, and that's um, an interesting point. So we um, we uh, are following the fortunes of um, Mario and Joe, principally, uh, who are stuck in a shitty dead end nowhere town um, in somewhere in South America. I'm not sure it's actually specified where, but somewhere in French South America, presumably. Well, it's well, that exists. I mean, Caracas is the place that they would like to get to. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they're in a sort of a French community, though it's, it's more of an international. I'm, I'm not sure that's even really implied. I mean, it's filmed in French because the the director and the crew are French, rather than I think because it's explicitly trying to say people, everybody is talking French here. In fact, so you're right. There because are, there are one some drops into English. One of the few, um, uh, one of the few things that initially connects Mario and Joe is that, um, Mario, uh, uh, recognises a fellow Frenchman when Joe arrives in town. And so we have a long, this is like an hour long segment of the film really, um, which functionally fulfills the same purpose as the kind of the first 10 or 15 minutes of um, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Is that unfair to say? Yeah, that was certainly the impression I got of it. I mean, I, I was aware of the what I might call the core plot of the film, which we'll come on to. Yes. We haven't even got there yet. But no. certainly the setup is, yeah, the, this, is, this is the end of civilization. You have fallen quite a long way to get here. Uh, and, and it's it, sort and of it's, a black hole. When, when you yeah. get here, it's very hard to get back out again. I mean, it's very cheap to live there. But on the other hand, there is essentially no way of saving up enough money to get 
Even good forged papers, certainly not a plane ticket. And the plane yes. is the only way to get anywhere. It's sort of like a cross between Casablanca and our, um, our, our town at the beginning of Treasure of Sierra Madre. But the, the feeling is very much that kind of down and out, desperate for money, um, and chances it will kind of do anything for money. So at the beginning of Treasure of Sierra Madre, they, they do this kind of demeaning work for the foreman who then doesn't pay them and they beat him up in a, in a, a pub brawl. Um, where Treasure of the Sierra Madre, there, there's, well, we have Mario sort of as this, uh, uh, playboy chancer, really, I guess. And then we have Joe introduced as this kind of, um, he's sort of a distinguished elderly gentleman, but uh, that's not quite the way of putting it. He's, he's clearly a con artist. Um, yeah, I, I, older... think it, I think it's suggested that he's got on the wrong side of some organized crime. Yes, yeah, he's, um, I, I think he says something like, um, I didn't even have time to bring any money. I just got a ticket and got out. Um, and ended up here. So him and Mario become pally, uh, and he sort of establishes himself at the local cafe. Uh, never seems to pay his bills, but they never seem upset by him. But there are some, there's some trouble with the, well, not the locals really. <laughs> the locals very rarely feature in this at all. Um, but there's troubles with, um, Luigi, who is Mario's, uh, flatmate. But it, it shows the kind of the courage and strength of character of Joe. Um, that he, he's not at all phased by having a gun pointed at him. He's clearly, uh, a man of the world. So it spends a, the, a whole hour kind of constructing this kind of intimidating character and then pretty much immediately deconstructs him when mm. the, the, the meat of the film starts. Boom. Boom is the meat of the film. So it, it, it is a very, it's a slow start. I had seen this before and I'd forgotten actually how slow the start was. It's, I, I found it very watchable and interesting, but it is slow. What was your impression of the first hour? Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I found it quite compelling, particularly now that I have seen, uh, Sierra Madre. Yes. But it, it take, it takes a long time to make its point, but I think that's, Justified. It, it, it is all about, can I manage to circle the drain for one more day, or am I going to go down it today? And it's, it, though, it though I would notice all, all these, we, we've got four, uh, men all together. Um, yes, I haven't mentioned, um, Bimba. Bim, Bimba. The German, uh, who, you know, family killed by the Nazis, um, worked three years in a salt mine, and so on. Um, they're all they're all very distinctive and, and very interesting. They are characters. all still shaving. <laughs> they're all still shaving at this point. They've not lost. Well, um, they've not lost their entirely dignity. Um, though Luigi has a, an, an excellent moustache. So yeah, um, Luigi is getting a bit of money by working on um, basically building sites, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, yeah, doing some manual, it's probably construction work, which is clearly. Uh, Joe certainly considers beneath him and Mario's just, he's not gonna, he's not gonna do that type of work. Clearly, they're not that desperate for money. They, they want easy ways of getting through it. Whereas Luigi is finding this is not the easy way because the concrete dust in his lungs is gonna kill him if he doesn't get out of it pretty sharpish. Yes, basically he's slowly setting from his alveoli up as far as, far as I can <laughs> tell. Um, and Bimba, uh, so the opportunity arises in the sense that we have, um, an American oil company, um, 
and they have a problem. Their problem is that there has been an explosion and followed by a fire at one of their oil wells. And the only way really to put out the fire is to fight fire with fire, i.e. surround it with explosives and um, uh, deprive it. I think the idea is to deprive it of any more fuel when it sort of collapses in on itself. Is that the plan? Uh, okay, Roger's firefighting corner. It, it, it's actually a three-way thing. Uh, you remove some okay. of the heat as well. Um, yes. And you remove some of the oxygen because it is all consumed or um by, by by the immediate combustion of the of the explosive, uh, yes. it is a legitimate oil well firefighting technique, um, and it is a the great. <laughs> it, it leads to the great solution of we have to cause a fucking big explosion. Um, the problem being, they've got tons of nitroglycerine. That is not the problem. What they don't have are gimbaled trucks or any safe way of getting the nitroglycerine 300 miles across to the oil well fire. Across what uh, one might politely refer to as roads. <laughs> yes, um, or as what I may refer to as, as Cornish roads. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, there's going to be twists, there's going to be turns, it's not been metalled or levelled or tarmacked for a lot of it. Um, uh, it's unfinished... Uh, and barely existent in areas. And there's going to be big twisty mountain turns to drive across. Um, not the ideal conditions to have a uh, truck full of nitroglycerin uh, on it. And this is kind of really the, the, the kind of the, the tagline of the film, basically. They need some damn heroes um, or idiots to drive truckfuls of nitroglycerin 300 miles across bumpy roads um, they're going to send two trucks yeah, because they, they can't face... send their own oil company employees uh, because they're in a union. <laughs> yes. It shows you how old the uh, film is. <laughs> um, but they can send um, people who are absolutely desperate for money, uh, brave, damn courageous uh, young men. Um, the or, foreman... or desperate ones, that's the thing. Or desperate ones. Um, it's not entirely unsympathetic. You know, the um, Bill O'Brien uh, is the, the kind of the... I don't know quite what he is. he's not really the oil boss, but he's the supervisor who is in Foreman charge of the whole. Something of that sort, yeah. Yeah. Um, he arranges this, but having been in that position himself and knowing Joe, um, previously has got some sympathy for these men. Uh, that doesn't extend to, uh, helping out, you know, himself, but the, so the four protagonists, um, Mario and Joe, uh, the Frenchman, um, Bimba, the German, and Luigi, the Italian, are split into teams of two, the two Frenchmen, uh, the German and the Italian. Uh, they're advised to keep, is it 50 miles apart or some distance apart anyway, because uh, one's back up for the other one. Uh, half an hour's travel, I think, is the idea. Half an hour's travel. So, so, so that uh, when, I mean, if one of them uh, has an accident, it won't affect the other. And it... Um, it works, really. I mean, as, as far as a setup for the film goes, we've got to know these characters already. We spent an hour with them. Um, it is about an hour, isn't it, the opening? Um, and I suppose in theory, we could have just started the film with the explosion and just gone on from there. I, I don't think it would have been as effective. We wouldn't have known who we were dealing with. And I, it's interesting. You could have had a whole film as the, the first part of the film. Um, you could have had a whole film on that kind of life, but then mm. it suddenly turns into this really um, anxiety-inducing kind of um, 
road trip. Well, I, I think we do need to establish who these people are. Um, yes. Both that they are not, you know, inherently wicked or anything, but also that they've landed up here and they, they can't see any way out of it, because that then makes it plausible that they would agree to do this mind-bogglingly dangerous job. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a much more dangerous job. Um, yeah, I, I will admit I, I do feel... I, mean, I I can't say that this sort of thing would never happen. It does just start to feel a bit, oh, we've arranged it all really carefully so that the mm. only way it could be done is for you guys to do this thing. It's it's touching on the um, slightly ridiculous... Um, but it's played well, and it's played. I I think it works. It's not to the. It's what it succeeds in doing is setting out the stakes for the whole thing, mm. and that is, you know, we've complained about you know films and fight scenes and where they just you don't either don't understand the stakes or you don't care about the characters. And in this case, we've got both those. It's very clearly spelled out what's going to happen. Uh, and it, I, I, part of it, you think, well, how. Uh, how how tense can it be? Because either they explain or they don't. But they, they, they the film pulls out all the stops to bring out every possible nuance of how tense it could be. Um, yeah. So so we've we've got a number of actual physical obstacles like um, a patch of extremely rough road. Um, which does a little speed impression where it turns out on that patch of road you either go very slowly like very slowly or you trundle along at like 50 60 miles an hour and don't slow down below it because then you'll hit the resonant because it's of the sort nitroglycerin. of 20 to 40 ish that's going to give you the most bumping through the suspension yes um that there's the uh construction work that is essentially we, we've got to back the truck out on, onto this rickety wooden platform over the canyon Yes, um, which half breaks on the first truck is going to fully break potentially on the second truck, and so on. Um, now, I think it's fair to say that you know, regular listeners will be aware we are both role players. Um, one of the things that I, I have often looked for, and I don't think ever really managed, is the idea of uh, the player characters versus the environment rather than versus a villain. Because there are lots of exciting stories which are about human versus environment. Yes. Uh, but I find it very difficult to get tension. And one of the things I, I picked up from this is that this is not a matter of, you know, do you make your truck driving role to drive the truck successfully over whatever the hazard this is? It is yes. much more about the psychology of the people doing it. Do you have the mental fortitude to keep your foot down at 60 miles an hour over the rough road? Um, and how do yes. do do you have? I I use. Is your fear basically going to slow you down and make you incompetent, or and end can, up or, killing you, or can you get hold of it so that you can you know, react quickly enough to get off the collapsing platform or whatever else? Yeah, it really plays out particularly with um, Joe, who's this character who we've been shown is no no coward, um, at least in some situations. But he almost immediately loses his bottle. Um, he's very quickly always taking the the safer option in the, to the point where it's either going to take them uh, days and days to get there or they're just not going to get there at all. And it's a really interesting kind of switcheroo because the whole the whole first section of the film is is um, Mario basically looking up to this sort of mentor. Um, mm. 
Even though Mario's been here longer. Even though, yes, but Joe has kind of a, a been around the block a bit and has been in, presumably been in situations a bit like this. Um, very quickly, once it starts, he, uh, he takes a much more, Mario takes a, uh, a front seat, you know, literally. Um, and uh, it's nicely played, the slight, the, the slow, well, I say slow, but it is quite quickly how that dynamic changes. Um, but it also manages to do that with great antagonism and, and, uh, distrust, but also they kind of remain friends to the end or mm. just about. And it's nicely, it's really nicely played. I, I, I like the speech, um, Joe gives, um, where he's, he's just, he's kind of explaining, you know, you just, you can't do, you, I've died a hundred times already on this trip. One more is not going to make you only die once. You're lucky. Um, and it's, it's just really nicely explained why he's struggling with it. Mm. And one of, one of the rides one could say that's not, I'm, I'm hypothesizing here. Uh, this isn't supported by the film particularly, is that quite possibly for the Joe's criminal life, most of the dangers he's faced are dangers he can personally do something about. You know, a guy is going to come yes. at me with a knife, I'm going to knife him first, whatever. Uh, whereas there is essentially nothing he can do here except drive the truck ride. And sometimes, and half the time he's not even driving. Uh, yeah, he's, he's suddenly not in control in a way that he's used to. I think you're right, that's certainly... Yeah, that's probably got a lot to do with why he, he bottles it, for want of a better term. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we follow this, this dangerous track. As you say, there's various um, problems thrown in, um, including a boulder that they have to blow up with a small amount of the nitroglycerin. Um, uh, we get, we start getting to know, because we didn't know uh, Bimba and Luigi quite so well, but we start getting to know them. Um, just after a very sort of moving scene with them, they suddenly blow up, <laughs> which, and we never find out why. Um, they out, went out, of, right out of sight. I mean, we we do we learn about this because the other guys in their truck hear the large explosion ahead and see the smoke cloud. Yeah, and that you know their comment is, "We'll never know what happens." And to be honest, they probably never knew what happened either. But it lead it leads to another obstacle because basically it's an oil filled crater in the centre of the road now. Um, which causes even more problems and an awful agonizing scene where, um, uh, Joe basically gets driven over by the truck, um, and, uh, destroys his leg, multiple fractures. And you never quite see the horror of it, but you, you get the idea. Um, yeah, I've given, given that this is clearly going to kill him. I think we can probably assume it's, it's more than a mangled leg. But yeah, uh, it, the, you the can point bleed is... out from a femoral fracture, so I'm guessing. True. I mean, they don't exactly have much in the way of bandages and things. Uh, no, but it's pretty traumatic, and, yeah. and uh, he's clearly feverish and delirious, and and pretty much out of it for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the trip. And and it is, you know, Mario is entirely aware that this is his fault. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it, there's not much he, he, he made the decision to keep going rather than risk getting stuck, even mm -hmm. though he had lost sight of Joe. From the point of view of not getting the truck stuck, that may have been the right decision, but it was still from his Joe's decision. point of view. It's, it's very much not the right decision. Yeah, it's, it's good because it doesn't. Really, you never know for sure. Would he have got stuck? Yeah, probably, maybe. But it puts you in his position as well. What would what would you do? You know, if you're in this position, um, but. It's good. It's it, it, uh, and then we're we're very close to the end of the film. 
he makes it um we haven't talked and you know i've only just occurred to me that we haven't talked about basically the one female character in the film but that's largely because she's it's pretty um well uh, yes I, I was going to mention that and th- th- this is a this is a character who isn't in the book um the, the role was invented by Clouseau uh, in order that he could cast his wife. I was going to say, I note that she is Vera Clouseau, and I wonder if that had something to do with it. It um, turns out, yes, it does. And she, she is, I, I, I think, given that we're not talking about real people here, it is not insulting to describe her as a cantina floozy. As a character, yes, I yeah. think that's fair enough um, to say. Now, this, this is also part of Mario's character, because... She is clearly in love with him. Uh, a is a potential ticket out of there, but B, she does actually seem to like him for himself. Yes, she's genuinely concerned about him. Yes, in ways that suggest it's not just the money that she's interested in. Whereas Mario, well, I mean, he'll take advantage of her when when she's there, but he isn't particularly interested in her. Well, that's right. It's, it's out of sight, out of mind, really. Barely. She barely gets a, a look in for the rest of the film. She, it, it certainly never, she certainly never crosses Mario's mind, I suspect. Well, the, there's one key shot, for me at least, um, that as the trucks set out, they drive through the town, which you might think wouldn't be a great idea, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes, good point. And, uh, Linda comes up to the, to the truck as it's rolling past obviously quite slowly walking pace sort of thing, um, to, to beg Mario to be careful. And he's practically rolling his eyes at his buddy Joe, aren't he? Yeah, look, yeah, women, they just don't understand what a man's got to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's the contempt he shows for his... Um, uh, you know, it's, it's done without judgment. It's just part of Mario's character. We're not supposed to... I, well, I mean, I guess we are supposed to dislike it, but it, you know, these characters are shown warts and all. Um, then we come to the, the end sequence, the, the explosion happens, it's fine, Mario gets his money. Um, he, and he gets, uh, Joe's money as well, cause I mean, he's not going to use for it. And he's, uh, yes, Joe, um, oh, spoilers for this film, um, as usual, uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> if you've made it this far, it's probably a bit late to give you a spoiler warning. Um, Joe doesn't make it, he kind of dies, he literally dies in Mario's arms, um, and I think there is an element of, of, Friendship as well as guilt, um, that's, that's going on there. It's, it's nicely. Yeah. Played. Well, you, you get one of the oil company people saying, Oh, yeah, the two of them were pretty close. And this is obviously true, even though they only met, you know, less than a week ago. Yes. What I like is these characters are all, there's, they're none of them are fundamentally good or fundamentally bad. They're just, they're opportunists. They're in a difficult place. Um, but they're, they're well played and interesting. That we have the ending where Mario excitedly driving back, now presumably very pleased he can swerve his truck about and not blow up, uh, does it a bit too much, drives off a cliff and dies. I th- that felt like well, it. While, uh, the girl looks up in, in horror. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know how I feel about that ending. It feels a little bit like a kick in the teeth after what we've been through. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a happy ending, but then it yeah. it occurs to me that if it hadn't ended that way, the best thing that would happen is that he would get back to town, dump Linda, and get on the first plane out of there, and she would be just as sad. So... Oh yeah, exactly. In fact, she's probably more sad that way around. There's there's not going to be a happy ending for Mario. He's just not that kind of character. He'd find himself in the same place, in a different part of the world, um, uh, a few months down the line. 
Um, he's very, it's a bit like, um, Boggs in Sierra Madre. Not quite as, um, pathological as that, but you know, he's not gonna, um, in fact, he's a bit more like the old, uh, the old prospector, um, John Houston's dad, um, in that you kind of know he'll end up back in that place again. Though perhaps with his eyes a bit wider open. Perhaps. Probably not. But you're right, there, were, there never was going to be a happy ending to this film. It's kind of, it's interesting because it pulls out a lot of the sort of Hollywood stops of a thriller, but it is, it's very clearly not a Hollywood film. It's, um, it's, it's a French film and, and has a very different feel to it. Um, I, I mean, I, I had seen this before in my earlier, you'd suggested, were there any films I'd watched in my sort of earlier watchings before we started the podcast that I'd recommend we watch? And th- this one stood out in my mind as one that I really wasn't sure what to make of it and how to like it, but I, I remember it now years later, uh, as being thrilling and, and, and exciting and a really intense heart in the in the mouth kind of thriller for me and I it did that again because I'd forgotten a lot of the scenes of it I remembered the the horrible thing that happened to Joe that was the main thing that stood stood out <laughs> but I I find as thrillers go and as you know a relatively shallow you know this is a, I mean to say it we, we're going to drive trucks across 300 uh, bumpy road 300 miles of bumpy roads full of nitroglycerin it sounds like it's going to be a pretty cheap tacky thriller um but it's it kind of is that but it, it's got more nuance and depth to it than a lot of films of its ilk um yeah though i i, I will confess i'm po- possibly this is just a matter of the time i, I did find myself thinking here, here is this nitroglycerin it's it's vi- vastly dangerous maybe we shouldn't be smoking around it <laughs> Come on, they're rugged, manly men in the the full bloom of their manhood. They're not going to take more than a truck full of nitroglycerine, which will obliterate your entire existence to stop you smoking. I have been in a car full of fireworks with my wife, who was still smoking at the time, though not during that particular journey, because not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You had your own own little wages of fear moment. It it, it may perhaps have got a little tense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, there we are. Some more psychodrama on a, on, a, <laughs> on an explosive journey. So um, th- this was a great success. Uh, I think it was, it was. the uh, fourth most high, fourth highest box office in France that year. Something of that nature. Yes, it was actually. It's not some obscure foreign language film. This was. Uh, this had. And sorry, I, I don't mean that as a, in any way derogatory of foreign language, but normally a lot of foreign language films don't trouble uh, the American box office. But this one did phenomenally well. It had sort of crossover success. and is Yeah, it, it allowed Clouseau to make uh, Les Diaboliques, which... Oh, yes. I'm not, I haven't I have... seen it, but, uh, but I'm really interested to see it now. Um, well, how would one describe it? A, a, a psychological thriller, perhaps? Psychological I'd... horror? Yes, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's very different to this, as is often the way, you know. When, well, it's got when women a filmmaker, in it for a start. <laughs> well, when a filmmaker can, you know, suddenly do what they want instead of um, mm. uh, desperately trying to, that you get a real pure vision of what they want to do. It, it's good. I, I'd like to um, revisit it, maybe someday. Um, the wages of fear. Yeah, do you think it's a masterpiece, Roger? Gotta say, yes. Mm. Um, I, I I agree. In lots of little bits, like the the very strong implication that um, J- um, 
Mario is alive at the end, well, nearly the end. <laughs> yeah. Not because, not because he did it better than anybody else. But simply because, and, and not as, as a lesser film might say it, because he has the strongest character. Mm. But to a large extent, he just got lucky. He's, yes, and that's exemplary, uh, exemplified by probably, um, you know, the, the, the character who probably is the most competent, uh, and has the strongest character is Bimba, I expect, though we never quite see much of him. And they just, they have the opposite, really. They get unlucky. You never even find out what happened to them. Mm. Well, you know what happened to them, but you never find out why. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's not, it's not just pure, I suppose it is pure randomness, but it, he did have courage and um, strength of capture and all those things as well. Sometimes that works, sometimes yeah, I mean, it doesn't. So there are certainly places where that helped. One does feel that the ultimate success is there's a, there's a lot of luck in there as well. Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. And you're you're kind of right. And it's interesting, even though you don't, you don't. He's a hard character to like, particularly, um, but you don't hate him. Either. You're, you're kind of there with him. You're in this position. You understand why he's desperate. It's, all the characters are well drawn. I mean, Joe, I suppose to some extent, does become quite unlikable because he is so cowardly towards the end. And you understand it. Um, it's, I, I, it's a really interesting take on... Um, I mean, these, these are all quite unpleasant people. But basically, yes. But they are, you know, where, however unpleasant they may be, they they, they were a, along with others stepping up to get the job done. So yeah, and it, they're in an unpleasant world. It's, I I agree. I think it's a masterpiece. I think um, I I suppose I could I you know I I sort of moan that it's a long opening. I agree though. It, it's not that you're sort of sitting looking at your watch. And I that hmm. did almost happen a bit in Treasure. I love Treasure of the Sierra Madre. This is a very different film, but. Almost that opening for Treasure of the Sierra Madre feels perhaps a bit more superfluous and a bit longer than it needs to be in a way that this doesn't. Um, it were, you, you could maybe have cut a bit down, but it, it, yeah, I like it. I, I wouldn't recommend, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't, um, far be it for me to suggest many changes to a film anyway, but as far as I had many, I, I wouldn't change much here. I, I am, the ending is harsh. But as you point out, I don't know, this was never going to have a happy ending, this film. I think it would work a lot less well if it did. Uh, yes. This has been remade a couple of times. Um, Violent Road by Howard Cock in 1958. And. Oh, quite soon afterwards. Then. Yeah, a thing, a thing I, I didn't realise was connected at all. Um, Bill Friedkin's Sorcerer has a lot of other stuff <laughs> as well, but, but is largely derived from, uh, this. From, from oh, the novel specifically. Okay, interesting. Yes. Uh, apparently there's, there's a Netflix remake in progress as well, but you know, shrug. I mean, this is a film that I don't really, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not against remakes particularly. Um, well, some of them are better, I, some of the worst, some are interesting. As we have on the slate for, for a few episodes time, um, I, I will approve of a remake primarily if it brings something new rather than, Oh well, you know, we're just going to do it in colour rather than black and white because the kids don't watch black and white these days, and, and, or, with, and um, with younger, prettier actors, or more American actors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, um, it doesn't need any of that. I, I, I wouldn't be adverse watching any of those films, um, but this is a good one. Mm. It's a good one, and I'm, uh, I'm, 
I'm pleased to watch it. I probably will watch it again at some point when it's faded from memory again. I, I, I had remembered this is one of the good ones. You should watch it again. And then I'd forgotten almost everything else about it, um, <laughs> which is it's a nice way for it. It doesn't work well for a memory in general, but <laughs> for watching films again, it's very good. Mm, yeah, I, I would just like to mention in passing the music, which is uh, George Oric. Uh, it basically starts off being fairly conventional, and then then it uh, goes in, into discordant modern jazzy styles. And frankly, that works very well for me. I, it's it's not a thing I would a soundtrack I would sit down and listen to, but it is the perfect soundtrack for this film. Do you know I barely noticed the soundtrack, um, <laughs> which is the whole point of a good soundtrack, I think. Um, but it clearly did not detract from the tension and probably added to it. So I, yeah, it's probably a good thing. Well, there we are. I think that about wraps it up for this uh, high-octane episode of Ribbon of Memes. Sorry, I can't I think of an explosive any. <laughs> well, we'll we'll just yeah, we'll we'll leave it on a on a sour note, much like the film did. <laughs>